So growing up, working hard, my father had a fundamental belief of uh, having a good education being the doorway of a better life because he, he had to work damn hard um, and it was a struggle. And he saw, uh, like many other Asian people, that they wanted their children to have a good education. So my father sacrificed a lot to send us to really good schools. Um, so I felt a lot of pressure, but it was, it was bred into me, you study hard and do well. So I really wanted to do it for my father and my mother, but it was my father the driving force in the family about doing well at school. So I had an ethic, a work ethic, a really, it was bred into me actually from an early age, you work hard and study hard. Um, so but then, you know, I couldn't study what I wanted to study, to be honest with you. My, my, hist my passion was history. But, you know, my dad would say, my mum and dad would say, well, what are you going to do with history? What job are you going to get with history? In fact, Latin was even more of us. I love Latin and history. I'd love to study those at A-level. Um, but no, if I, I wasn't a scientist. So unfortunately, I couldn't satisfy their dream of becoming a doctor. So, was, you know, in those days, a bit less, but even today, it's engineer, doctor, or accountant, or lawyer. So those are the esteemed professions. So I guess I was, um, I was always interested in business, so becoming an accountant was the next <laughs> big thing. So that, along that path, I um, did the relevant A-levels, got into university, uh, went to Manchester, had a great time, and... Um, got my degree in economics and then st started my path as an apprentice accountant um, which wasn't plain sailing I did fail my accounting exams a couple of times because um, <laughs> by that time I was distracted other than work in my early 20s if I'm honest with you um, my own fault but knuckled down passed the exams and um, stayed with one firm for many years but did some other interesting things as well. So I had a business with the Chinese in my mid-30s. So that was having a midlife crisis. I just had twins and I decided, well, I wanted to do something a bit different. I had this yearning to set up a business. So I met, I had some friends who were Cypriots and uh, they set up a business and they called me over to Cyprus to just to see them so I thought but what they wanted was me to help them with their business um, and they just joined with the Chinese they were accountants so it was really odd um, and then they wanted me to invest in their business so we ended up I ended up being an investor in their furniture business and they'd set up a franchise with the Chinese and one of the brothers had become an international franchise director and I loved the furniture it was all really cool and um, I decided so I was going to open a showroom with the, in Britain, in England, in London, actually, although I, had, I knew nothing about furniture. I thought, right, I'm going I'm to open this. So I opened up a pretty big furniture showroom. Having Well, first of all, I had to go to China and meet the Chinese and, and get the franchise. So they allowed me to, to have this franchise. Um, and the franchise, we were in 25 countries, so it was quite a big franchise. And I had the UK, I was master franchise in the UK, in London, for a few years. But again, that was a, 
I could write a book on my experiences working with the Chinese and at that time it was quite novel and very quite stressful to be honest with you and in the end I, I ended up going back into the city so that didn't work out frankly um, for various reasons but uh, I went back so I had these three children growing up and I'd, I'd committed myself to their education in um, uh, you put pressure on yourself to always say the values so what the, the thing is you always I always felt I had to do the very best for my children I felt I put a lot of pressure on myself and I guess this is what you take from your parents um, is it a limiting factor I always felt a lot of pressure to give them the very best education if my father did it to me for me I needed to do it for my children so I felt I needed to give my children the very best education and I felt that was in the private sector rightly or wrongly so I committed going down that route and I had three children young children um, and I started the private route so I had to go back and the furniture business didn't work out as I wanted I went back into the city because of all my career I'd worked um, as a management consultant so I ended up going back into the firm that I used to work for and I thought it was going to be the same experience and I'd learned a lot from them but the culture had changed dramatically um, and it was a very much a selfish culture but the values had totally changed um, and I did not enjoy any day working for them but I felt I had to so basically I prostituted myself to to work for them to get the money but I didn't enjoy it and the stress was immense every day I didn't enjoy the projects I didn't enjoy working with those people the values were very different and inevitably there was going to be a consequence of that men and women can only put up with so much stress and anxiety so by this stage I was in my early 40s I'd been working on a really tough program away from home for several months um, came home for Christmas went back started working again just before I went back to work I went I remember the Saturday before going back I uh, went to the gym to try and start my fitness regime and basically I ended up having um, I thought it was the first but it wasn't the first it was the first official heart attack that I had and which basically turned my life upside down and that of my family as well yeah so I what happened on that day was I uh, Saturday I remember it I still remember it. try not to think about it but did my usual thing I train on a Saturday um, it was a, I remember being a really really cold day did it went to the gym first thing in the morning uh, I felt a bit uncomfortable as I remember driving back thinking oh I don't really feel great have I overdone it um, being just straight after Christmas so then get, get home and we have a routine and sort of a routine when with the kids are younger even now we just have a family breakfast on a Saturday and they just started eating breakfast when I came back home and I would normally have joined them at, at the table but I, I just said look I can't I can't sit with you guys I'm not feeling well I just need to I said no I didn't say that I just said I just need to rest for a little bit so I, I went into the living room and just lay down and my wife she came into the living room saw me and um, saw that I wasn't well 
and basically uh, assumed straight away the very worst, which was set off an argument. She wanted to phone the ambulance straight away, or phone 999 for an ambulance. And she sort of suspected, although I didn't know at the time, she thought I was having a heart attack. She said, what if you're having a heart attack? I said, don't be stupid. I train in the gym three days a week. Why would I? Because I, I thought I did everything that you're not supposed to do to get a heart attack. I ate quite well, trained, exercised. I thought that would Im give me an immune, immunity to such events. However, she, I remember struggling with her with the phone. So she was phoning the ambulance, phoning 999. I grabbed the phone off her. And we had a little tussle. And I lost that one because uh, I wasn't feeling great. I let her have that one. <laughs> she phones phones nine nine nine, and immediately they say it's probably it could be that he's having a heart attack. So you've got to give him some tablets, aspirin. So I don't know where she got this um, high strength aspirin tablet from, but she gave it to me, and I started chewing it, um, which probably helped to save me. And until um, the ambulance came, so I got blue lighted, and my my wife followed me and um, with the kids. So the kids are only about four, five at the time. Really young anyway. So, um, and that's when I had uh, the journey to discover that I, I, I in fact did have a massive heart attack um, which needed, well it was funny that even the consultants didn't believe I was having a heart attack. So I sat in the hospital bed on a Saturday and Sunday being told that, nah, don't think so, you're too fit. <laughs> so even the doctors had this preconception and that they, they take a look at you and, and use stereotypes to, to make an initial assessment because the blood test that they did was on, on the borderline of being positive or negative. So they weren't sure if something else caused it. So even when they, they, they did something called an angioplasty, an angiogram, first of all, to open me up and I was there's local anesthetics I could still see and hear what was going on and the the consultant assigned the operation the procedure to his, his junior thinking it wasn't going to be that involved um, and basically said oh, don't worry about it You're, you'll, you'll be fine you, I don't think anything's the matter with you um, and within five minutes he came back saying I'm really sorry to tell you this but you are I've been proved wrong, you're the one in 100 case. That in fact, he goes, I've got some further bad news. He goes, you've already had heart damage before. This isn't your first heart attack. So I I'd obviously had a heart attack. I didn't even know I'd had a heart attack. He said, you've got damage to your heart. So that I ended up having five stents. So those are, I've, had, I've got blockages all around my major arteries, basically, which meant that, um, which caused these the causes of the heart attack but they fixed me up by putting something called a, it's a, like a metal umbrella which opens up the the arteries in your heart and um, I had five of those on that occasion so that was a real shock to attack you think gosh that's a really major life-changing experience and for a while Maybe for a day in hospital, I thought, wow, this is major, isn't it? But then I got really stressed again. But then I, I guess it all depends on your personality. And my personality was always to, as to fight and to, 
A male thing is to deny your vulnerability. So up until then, I'd always been, uh, we talked about my shield growing up, it was always a defensive shield. So the defensive shield for me was to say, it's okay, you can get over this, it's just a physical thing, they fixed you, so go back to being, go back to being what you were. Work hard and get back to work. ASAP, prove everyone wrong, there's nothing wrong with you. So basically I was in a sort of refusal process. I did all the, the physiotherapy that, that I was told to do um, to get back into fitness because it was so bad, Sire. It was so bad. I got home, I was so weak, I couldn't even climb a set of stairs. I had to use a banister. So that was a, I had to start from scratch to get my fitness back. I couldn't climb a set of 12 steps without pausing for breath. But I, 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 I got back to fitness in double quick time because that's, a, that's what I thought I needed to do. And I, I needed to prove that to everybody that I was super fit again. And, um, but it was a facade really, because mentally I hadn't acknowledged what was going on inside. But I presented this image to the world and I got back to work far too quickly. Within nine months, I went straight back to work thinking things would be the same as before but again unfortunately I wasn't looked like that I wasn't viewed like that at work and that set off a whole train of events which led to my second heart attack or my next heart attack 18 months after my first one after the previous one while I was at work, working for that organization. And that was, that was stress and anxiety as to how I was treated. That was a direct cause of that heart attack. First heart attack, I felt unwell, but not really in a lot of pain, the previous one. This one felt as though, and I knew immediately what had happened. Again, I don't know why it happened in the gym again, but I, again, I was under a lot of stress. So I thought I'd relieve some of that stress by going to the gym. I just finished, it was a Sunday. And I just got back into the changing rooms. And as soon as I closed the door on a Sunday in that changing rooms, I felt an immense pain. And it just suddenly came upon me. It was, but it was boom, from nothing to boom. And there wasn't time to think, oh, could it be, could it be this, could, no. You, I just knew that this was, um, this was a heart attack. You don't get that sort of pain um, from anything else. There's, there's no other explanation, I knew that. And um, then I had to make a quick decision, stay in the changing room and wait for help, maybe, and whatever consequences that could be or try and get help by walking from the changing rooms to the to reception, which is a good 40 meters away. And so I decided I didn't want to die in the changing rooms, basically. I thought, no, this is not where I want to go. So I've got to make an effort and make an effort to do something to help myself. So I staggered out the changing rooms and I could, I just couldn't understand. I was staggering and people were passing me by and no one said, are you all right? Do you need any help? No. 
I staggered all the way to reception without one person asking how I was or if I needed help. So I managed to stagger to the changing, to, to reception rather, and I just said, I'm having a heart attack. And they called the ambulance and I would lay down. But I didn't get an ambulance for 40 minutes. The best way to describe that pain, I was, I couldn't breathe in without having immense pain and I couldn't breathe out without having immense pain. It's like some incredible animal, like an elephant sitting on you. So you didn't move in or out or you couldn't do anything about it, but you had to just live and hope that you can wait for help or wait, hoping the pain would go away at some point and listening to the conversations and the arguing why the ambulance wasn't here. That was, I made some amazing, that's, I suppose I made some changes during that time. I had time to think. 40 minutes is a long time. That was when I realized I needed to make changes. <laughs> it took that, that pain to make me realize. If I, I said, I, if I ever lived through this, I said, I'm gonna change. I also, felt there was some somebody, something up there, a bigger power that had something in, they had a plan, obviously my plan, there was a plan that I didn't really understand or appreciate, but it wasn't obviously to pass and to go at that moment. I had to find what that purpose was. I, I realized there was, a, there was a higher power who had a plan for me because who survives these many heart attacks? There must be, there must be a reason. I couldn't understand. I was confused, but I did realize that obviously I needed to make changes because there was a plan. And I need to understand what that plan was and make some changes. The question was, what was that, pl what was that plan? I, hadn't, I didn't know at that time, but I did realize I had to make some fundamental changes and try and understand what was going on here. I realized that I could no longer do the work that I was doing before. That was one change. Obviously, having seen somebody after the heart attack, I had to see a work psychologist, actually. Um, he was a very well-known work psychologist and um, based in Harley Street. And I, I remember this because it, 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 it had a big impact on me. He said... The reason why you had your heart attack because of the stresses and the problems you faced with your value system being so different to the value system of the organization you work for. So you are basically becoming ill every time. So I, used to, I used to, couldn't quite fathom out every time I used to go to work. We had, had this automatic entry system with a key card. Um, so you'd have to press that in to get into the gates but just before I did that every morning I'd feel a real pit in my stomach and he told when I explained that to him he says that was your body telling you to stop you'd had enough they'd had enough of it was it wasn't right for you to be there and you were fighting yourself so this is why I think it's so important for people to understand what it is they stand for, what is their value system, and who do you work for? 
and do they match your value system? And clearly that wasn't the case with me. And what did, and, and I could see, and the results were there for everyone to see. Um, that's when I realized I really had to make some fundamental changes. So when I was not working as a management consultant, I started having problems with my mind because I was too much time to spare. And that's when I realized I, I had to do something. So I went to see a doctor. I went to see a doctor because I finally realized I was vulnerable. Up until then, I always pretended or pretended to myself, pretended to everyone else. There was no vulnerability there. I just had a couple of heart attacks. Big deal. Get over it. However, that wasn't the case because it does screw up your mind. Of course it affects your mind. It's, it's a major traumatic event. Trauma affects your mind. But in those days, and maybe to, to a less extent, but there is an issue with, with the way we're brought up, especially men, that they're brought up to be strong, to keep emotions to themselves, not admit words, like vulnerability. Weak, that's associated with you, weak. And, and my father, and a cultural issue as well. I mean, in our culture, you don't show your emotions. My father never showed his emotions, ever. Not, not of vulnerability, not those emotions. It was not the thing to do. Was, you are a man and you are bred to do this, to put up with pain, because you're a man. Men are supposed to do this. Get over it. It was those conversations that I've had all my life to myself. But the first important step to my recovery was to admit that I actually am vulnerable. And it's okay to be vulnerable. I think that was, that was a turning point for me. So I went to see the doctor and he actually tried to help me by explaining my behavior and why I kept feeling angry and frustrated. And it was a sort of a story like Europe. It, it, to my personality type, it, as, it was diagnosed as, as, as work psychologists called it, triple A type personality, very driven, motivated, competitive. In some ways, they're good in a certain work environment, but in other ways... Great for three heart attacks. <laughs> but yeah, ready-made ready made for heart attacks and stress um, and, and not, not very good for other parts of your life. <laughs> 